0: Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are talking about tax minimization. What does it actually mean? And what are some practical ways that I can actually minimize my tax? Now. Two things I want to say, first of all, full disclosure, Andrew and I are obviously not accountants, we wouldn't have passed those papers at <laughs> university, but what we can do is tell you how we think about tax minimization and some of the things that we do. Naturally, there'll be potentially property accountants who listen to this will say, you missed out a couple of things, Absolutely. We're going to just go through the basics. The second reason why I'm really excited to do this is often when you think about tax minimization, you think about really rich people like Elon Musk. Well, and yeah, well, yeah that, or you think about it being illegal, right? Yes. But what's important to note is we're not talking about pilfering off the tax ban. We're not
1: talking about tax evasion or tax avoidance. No,
0: we're not saying that you shouldn't pay your fair share of tax either, but we're talking about not paying more
1: tax than you should. And actually, that probably leads into a great point. So during the break, because we had a month off here at Opus Partners, uh, because everyone needed a break after last year, I go down rabbit holes when I start researching things. Anyway, Kerry Packer, for those of you that don't know, was a media mogul. But since we now own two magazines, I I started being fascinated by his stuff. Anyway, I watched the full recording of his House of Representatives print media inquiry where he was interviewed. And anyway, it's a bit of a cracker. He died a number of years ago. But anyway, this was a bit of a hoot. And there was a great quote on that about tax minimization. Of course I am
0: minimising my tax. And if anybody in this country doesn't minimise their tax, they want their heads ripped. Because as a government, I can tell you, you're not spending it that well that we should be donating extra. So again, the key message here is it's not about paying less than your fair share. It's about not donating extra tax that you don't have to pay, and making sure you're paying the correct amount. So let's go through the different ways that you can minimise your tax. Now, Andrew, just before we dig into how to minimise your tax, it's probably important just to talk about, well, how do you calculate tax? And this provides the framework for how we're going to move throughout this episode.
1: So tax that you pay is basically whatever your taxable profit is times by your tax rate. So if your tax rate is 33%, your profit times 33% is the amount of tax that you're going to pay. So if you want to decrease the amount of tax you want to pay, you've either got to decrease your taxable profit or decrease your tax rate. But you'll be thinking, well, why would I want to decrease my taxable profit? Because if you decrease your taxable profit, well, you're going to end up with less money, right? Because you've got less. No, because there are actually ways of decreasing your taxable profit without decreasing your cash profit. And that's what
0: we're going to talk about. Now, the first major way that you can minimise your tax is the things that you're already doing. And what I mean by that is changing the way you invest. Now, if you're investing in assets, then you are going to earn economic income, which isn't taxed. let me tell you exactly what I mean. So if you own a property and it increases in value, you have earned economic income, you've built your wealth, but none of that income, none of that wealth building is taxable because as a property investor, what's taxable is your rental income, not any of your capital gains. So in essence, by deciding not to invest in something like a term deposit where all of the income you earn from that is taxable, if you are purchasing certain types of assets like shares or property, then your capital gains, your economic income derived from capital gains is not taxable. And in effect, because it's not considered taxable profit, it's not taxed. And so you are in effect minimising your tax compared to if you had invested something like a term deposit, for instance. Now, that's the one you probably already knew about, but talk to us about other ways that investors can decrease their taxable profit without actually losing money overall. So this is where you have non-cash costs or non-cash deductions. So these
1: are costs that you're going to pay anyway, but you don't have to spend any more money to be able to get the tax rebate because of course, you know, it's dumb to spend a dollar to get 33 cents back. But you can claim these as a legitimate business expense. So the first one, which is one that we've spoken about on the show before, is chattel depreciation. So when you buy a property, there's a component, which is land. There's a component that's building. Neither of those are deductible, but your chattels, your things like your carpets, your curtains, your heat pump, your dishwasher, your driveway, your driveway, amazingly enough, all of these things are elements of the property that the IRD considers will wear out over time. And so therefore, they are not an expense that you're going to have to pay out every year, but every year you can account for them in your profit and loss. So let's go through an example of what this might look like on a typical investment that we might recommend. So if you've got a brand new property and you go and get a chattel depreciation schedule from a company like Valuet, who are the guys to use in New Zealand, you get them to come through and they probably say, you know, based on a say $700,000 property, you might have $50,000 worth of chattels. Now, every element of the chattels depreciates at a differing rate. You can check them out on the IRD's website. We usually say an average of 20% per year. So overall, you've kind of got roughly about a five-year life cycle on most things. So $50,000 worth of chattels at 20% worth of depreciating value. So your first year, that's $10,000 worth of expense, again, that you're not paying out, that will just appear on your profit and loss. So that means that your taxable profit will be whatever your cash profit is minus that $10,000. So if your profit was 15000 now it comes down to $5,000, which if you're on the 33% tax
0: rate is $3,300 worth of tax savings. So again, these are things that you're not going to actually pay that depreciation. You might at some point where you've got to do up the property, but you're not actually paying it but it helps decrease your tax. Similarly, I want to talk about another non cash cost. So, your home office expenses. So, you're already paying for your home internet, your internet and your phone connection at home. You're already paying for your power. You're already paying for your rates and any interest on your mortgage. So, these are all things that whether or not you own an investment property, you're paying for this stuff. Well, you can account for some of those costs, not all of them, but some of those costs as a home office office expense. So you want to talk to your accountant in order to add this all up and decide, well, how much of it can we apportion? But let's say that there was $3,000 worth of home office expenses, which you can include on your tax return when you calculate the profit on your investment property. So if it's 3K worth of home office expenses, that means that your taxable profit is $3,000 lower than it otherwise would have been. And again, on a 33% tax rate, that's going to mean you're going to save $1,000 worth of tax. Now, here's the thing with non-cash costs. If you don't bother putting them in your tax return, you're going to pay more tax. You can't go back the next year and say, oh, I need to account for those home office expenses from last year. No, that tax year is already gone. But if you're accounting for these non-cash costs, that is when you are going to be able to minimise the amount of tax you pay because your taxable profit will be lower, but your actual cash profit will remain the same. Now, Andrew, give us one more. Last
1: one is travel or, or maybe use of your car. So travel in a different name. So if you have to go to the property, particularly if you live outside of the centre where you own your investment property, you can apportion a part of your costs of actually travelling to that location, maybe once a year to go and check out the property and make sure it's all in good order.
0: Now, what's important to know is if you added up all of these things. So let's say you had 10k worth of channel depreciation and a 3k worth of home office, for instance, and you know maybe an extra 500 from some other cost you're able to add up. Now, if you added that all up and it was say 13.5k, 13 and a half k worth of non-cash costs you could add to your tax return, then we're talking potentially about four and a half grand worth of tax that you wouldn't pay. Now, of course, your property might not be making enough profit where you'd actually have four and a half K worth of tax that you would need to pay, but those tax losses will be carried forward and eventually you will save yourself tax within that portfolio, assuming that eventually you make some money off your properties. Now, we've talked about ways to decrease your taxable income, so these are all the ways, non-cash costs and investing in specific types of assets. Now, next thing you could do is lower that tax rate. Now, how does somebody lower their tax rate, Andrew? Because everybody's going to be thinking, I've got to do this. <laughs> so this is where you might
1: restructure the ownership structure that you own your rental properties so that you can lower your tax rate. So for example, say you're on a high income owner and you're on the $0.39 cent tax rate, you might move your rental properties into a trust
0: and so, for instance, because the trust tax rate is 33%, moving from 39% down to 33 obviously saves you $0.06 in every dollar you earn. The only thing that you've got to remember, of course, is that if you decide to then distribute that money to yourself, you're naturally going to pay it at a 39% tax rate. So that's you just right. need to bear that in mind. But if you're reinvesting that money in more property, then that's not the case. So again, you want some tax advice because if you just pay it to yourself, you won't save anything. In fact, you'll (laughs) just get a bill from your accountant. (laughs) But there are some ways to do it. The other way that I always like is the good old look through company strategy. Now, we've talked a bit about it, but we've just been writing our book, obviously, over the holidays and the weekend. And it made me think of a really cool couple who we work with here at Opus. And one of them is a lawyer and earns a lot of money. She is on the 39% tax rate. Her partner, well, he stays at home and looks after the kids. So pretty typical household if you've got one who's a really high income earner and when you've got young kids, the other partner is looking after them, potentially doesn't earn an income. So any extra money that she earns, taxed at 39%, any money he earns, 10.5%. Now, what's interesting is if they owned this property 50-50, let's say they owned a property and it earned a $10,000 taxable profit. If they owned it 50-50, then half of it, five grand, would be taxed at 39% and half of it would be taxed at 10.5%. So all up, they'd pay about 25% in tax once you average it all up. 50% at the high rate, 50% at the low rate. Now, if they structured it in a look through company where it was 99% owned by him and 1% by her, then 99% of that taxable profit would be taxed at the low rate and only 1% at the high rate. When you run it through all of those calculations, the tax rate is now just under 11%. So we've gone from a 25% tax rate down to 11% in this instance. Now in that case of a property with a $10,000 taxable profit, they would save just under. in tax that year and every year ongoing, assuming that nothing else changes. Now, that structure may not be appropriate for everybody listening on the show because not everybody's in that sort of relationship. Not everybody has that sort of pay disparity. But there are some instances where you are able to significantly lower your tax rate through efficient ownership structure. So we've talked about Lowering your taxable profit, we've talked about lowering your tax rate. Andrew, there are still some other ways that people are able to minimise their tax through other types of restructuring. Talk to us about that. So this is where potentially you can structure things so that
1: you have a portfolio effect. So say for example, you've got one investment property at the moment. It's in a trust and it makes a taxable profit of ten k. Then you've got a second rental property in your own name, which has a taxable loss of ten thousand dollars. Now it could be break even from a cash flow perspective, but and I remember reading this in a Dolph de Roos book years ago. He was talking about you know a guy that is making a break even. He didn't file a tax return and then. Dolph showed him that with all of his non-cash deductions, he'd actually make a loss. And then this is the days when you could actually offset your income and get money back, how the guy was missing out on thousands of dollars worth of tax rebates. So anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. Property one making a profit, property one making a loss. If you've got this structure right now, you'll be paying 3,300 tax on property number one, but you don't get any tax rebates now because of ring fencing on property number two. So it's not a very efficient structure. You could actually transfer that property in your own name to the trust, and then have them offset each
0: other, all of a sudden, you don't have a tax bill anymore. So again, the issue here was that the two properties are in different ownership structures. We've got one making a taxable profit, we've got one making a taxable loss. Now, because they're in different ownership structures, you pay tax on one and you pay no tax on the other because it's making a loss. Put them together, all of a sudden you're paying no tax in this scenario because you're making a 10K taxable profit on one and a 10K taxable loss on the other. So your net is zero, so no tax adding to be paid. Now, you might be listening to all of these and thinking, Ed and Andrew, this all sounds a bit dodgy. Well, if you want to hear an instance of tax minimization that was really dodgy, Andrew, you told me a story well, the other day. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, it was not dodgy. It was completely to the letter of the law at the time. So I was telling Ed about family that I used to with years and years and years ago. This Was, was this pre Opus? Yeah, absolutely. It was 2008. And this was just when I was doing mortgages, but I knew their structure very well. And they, they were using a company like Opus to give them advice around properties. Now- Mr. was working and earned, I think in the highest tax bracket at the time, I think roughly it was on about 120 grand a year. Mrs. was working part-time, I think, from memory. She might have been earning about $20,000 a year. And so they were buying their properties in a look-through company with 99% of the shares against his name. Now, the difference back then is you could claim building depreciation and you could offset your losses against your income. Now, they built up a reasonable portfolio, I think of about six properties, all of those were new properties. They gave the maximum depreciation. His new income was reduced so much that because they had four kids from memory, they got working for families as a tax credit every fortnight. And I remember him saying to me one day, is this dodgy? And so my disclaimer, I'm not an accountant, but... This is probably only here for a short period of time. I would probably take the tax rebate, use it for your kids while you've still got that there because it's the tax that you, you were paying anyway. It's just a tax rebate. And it was completely legitimate back then to be able to have the assessment of your income based on what it was after your. And inverted commas, losses against your rental properties. I thought that was a bit of a have. I mean, he it, it wasn't doing anything wrong. That was the law. But it seemed a bit generous of the government. And then, of course, the government said, actually, this is a loophole. And they closed that loophole. Then later on, they had ring fencing. So none of that exists anymore.
0: And just to go through that, the way that worked was if he was earning 120K, six properties, and let's say they all made a 10K taxable loss, just simple numbers. So there was 60K worth of taxable losses. He made 120K, so there was 60K left over. So when they were doing the assessment for working for families in that instance, they saw his income as 60K, her income as 20K, and they had four kids. So that's what the basis was on. And so what I'm really trying to get at in this show is trying to to get across that there is a difference between what income you might earn and then the income that is taxed based on all of the other non-cash costs that you might be faced with. So again, the ways to minimise taxes, there will be other ways, but the main ways, decrease your taxable profit through selective use of what you're investing in, i.e. assets, decreasing your taxable profit through non-cash costs, and then structuring your affairs to minimize your tax rate so that you're not paying more than your fair share. Those are the key ways. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, then come along to our next webinar, which is all about new builds. How do you find the right new build? How do you find it the right developer to work with? And how do you manage all of these things like sunset clauses and the other scary stuff we're seeing in the media? If you want to come along to that, Either go to our website, opuspartners.co.nz, you'll be able to sign up there, or I'll drop a link in the show notes. So just tap or swipe over the cover art, you'll find a link in there. And it is on Tuesday, the 8th of February at 7pm. to the Property Canopy Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.